Good evening, Richmond Hill. Please pray with me. Now, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There is no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. There is no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. This past Friday morning at about 7 a.m., I sat with some old family papers in my lap, reading through the will of my great-great-great-great-grandmother. Since moving here, I've wanted to better understand my family history in Virginia, history that runs pretty deep. My dad, whose mother grew up here in Richmond, has offered enthusiastic support of my interest. And so when I opened my front door on this soggy Friday morning to find a soggy package on my doorstep, I wasn't surprised to find that he had sent a whole host of family documents for me to look through. They were somehow still dry. So it was that I ended up reading my ancestor's will on a rainy Friday morning. And so it was that I ended up with a knot in my stomach and tears pricking my eyes, finding in her will just what I had expected to find, the bequeathing of enslaved people as property to be handed down to her children upon her death. It is one thing to assume that slavery is in one's Southern family history. It is quite another to read the names of those people your family enslaved. To see family separation in action as children of enslaved mothers are divvied out to different children of slaveholding mothers. To read horrific euphemisms like servant girl Rachel and any increase of said servant girl. Euphemisms that barely mask the reality that even unborn children were doled out alongside tracts of land and sums of money as property. There is no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. I tell this story because Jesus, in our parable, in our parable this evening, calls us to envision a new world in which every human life is held equally sacred of equal value, of equal worth, no matter the differences between us. In a vision of God's kingdom that is so radical, it almost strikes us as unjust. Jesus paints a picture of a world in which nothing, not productivity, not efficiency, not access to work, not labor, nothing makes one person worth more than another. Everyone gets a fair share. No one is superior to another. No one dominates one another. Certainly, no one owns another human being in the kingdom of God. There is no hierarchy in this kingdom. Indeed, Jesus promises that whatever hierarchy exists will be upended. For the last will come first, and the first last. I have to admit that it is hard to read this parable and not think about my ancestors. How were they able to read this Bible? with its promise of radical love and radical equality? How could they claim to be followers of Jesus and still buy and sell and bequeath and inherit human beings? These past few weeks, I've been reading a book called Begin Again by Eddie Glaudy Jr. He writes about reading James Baldwin, 
one of the greatest writers and thinkers and dare I say prophets of the 20th century through the lens of race in America today. He describes Baldwin's obsession with what Baldwin calls the lie at the heart of our country. In a 1964 essay, Baldwin writes, the people who settled this country had a fatal flaw. They could recognize a man when they saw one. They knew he wasn't anything else but a man. But since they were Christian, and since they had already decided that they came here to establish a free country, the only way to justify the role this chattel was playing in one's life was to say that he was not a man. For if he wasn't, no crime had been committed. That lie is the basis of our present trouble. It is this lie that Baldwin writes about in 1964, the lie that some people are worth less than others, that some people, black people, people of color, women, queer people, trans people, poor people, imprisoned people, some people must be dominated or controlled or put in their, be put in their place by others. This lie forms the toxic foundation of a whole worldview created just to reinforce the lie as truth. It is a lie that has haunted our country and haunted our city of Richmond, Virginia since its founding. And it is this lie that I would argue that still haunts us now, allowing us as a society to act as if some people are worth less than others, that some people are less deserving of justice, of opportunity, of access to health care, of safety, of a thriving life than others. Our text this morning with its clear illustration of the inherent worth of every human being unmasks and exposes this lie as antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. At Richmond Hill, our mission is to seek God's healing in our metropolitan city. Healing cannot happen, however, without truth-telling. Telling the truth about our history as a city has been part of Richmond Hill for a long time, beginning with Ben Campbell's work and writing about Richmond's unhealed history. It continues with the Judy Project, a project initiated by, Rich by Richmond Hill resident Pam Smith that explores the history of enslavement right here on the land upon which Richmond Hill currently sits. The Judy Project, named after an enslaved woman who lived here, has helped me see the importance of genealogy and archaeology in helping lift up stories of enslaved people whose history has not been told. We know now that a house built by and for enslaved people has been used for years as a shed in our back garden, just over there. It is the Judy Project that inspires me to look into my own family history as part of the deep work that I am called to do. I believe that to love something is to strive to see it fully and to love it into something better. You can't love your community, your city, your country, or even your family unless you see it fully. Part of us seeing ourselves fully is unmasking the myths and lies of our paths, of our past. But truth-telling must be the beginning of a process for healing. We can't end here. If our text this morning exposes the depths of the lie, it also calls us to envision a new future, a new possibility of equity and justice that we, 
just like the laborers in the field, that we are called to cultivate, to nourish, and to bring into life. This parable calls us to imagine a world outside the lie, to imagine a world otherwise, to imagine a world where the last come first and all are of equal worth. We are called to imagine the world as it could be, and to love our communities and our cities and our country into something better than they are now, to love them into something like God's kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We follow a Christ who calls us to thy kingdom come here on earth, who calls us with the help and grace of God to love this world into a place where the poor are blessed, not evicted where debts are forgiven, not penalized, where justice is restorative, not retributive, where we work in solidarity with one another, not in competition with one another, where everyone has access to food and healthcare, well-funded schools and public transportation, where the dignity and sacredness of every life is honored and tended and cherished. At Richmond Hill, we have a prayer that we say every day. Grant, O Lord, that your kingdom may come here in the city of metropolitan Richmond as it is in heaven. Help us be a part of its coming. My call to you today is this. Be a part of the coming of the kingdom of God here in Richmond or whatever city or town you find yourself in. If you feel called to support the mission of Richmond Hill through our current Amazing Praise fundraiser, we will gratefully accept your generous support. But more importantly, know that you each are a beloved child of God with inherent work, worth and dignity and sacredness. Confidence in that love, God's love for each and every one of us. Confidence in that love is what allows us to look at ourselves fully, to look at one another fully, to unmask the lies that we may be telling or perpetuating while living more fully into the promise of God's kingdom here on earth. Confident in that love, like the laborers in the field, let's go out and get to work with our hands, with our prayers, with our dollars. Let's love this city, this community, this country into something better, something closer to the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May it be so. Amen.